0: Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports. Ryan Drury. I will be joined, as always, by Clarkie and Steve Saverin. Great guests on the show this week. We will chat with Owen Sound Attack General Manager Dale DeGray on the hopefully upcoming OHL season, although it might not happen. COVID outbreaks in the queue might just stop junior hockey from happening all over Canada. And then we will talk with independent sports journalist out of Chicago, George Offman, on everything Chicago sports. Cubs, White Sox, Bears, Blackhawks. We'll cover all of it. And, of course, at the end, be joined by our resident wagering expert from CoolBet, Chris Abbott, to talk about the hot betting lines in the NFL heading into Week 5. You're listening to and watching MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports, brought to you as always by CoolBet.co. I am Ryan Drury, joined by Clarkie and Steve Savern. We've got another great special guest on the show this week. Very pleased to be joined by the Owen Sound Attacks General Manager, Dale DeGray. Dale, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great. I'm doing. Great. I wish we were playing, but I'm doing great.
0: Yeah, I think we all kind of wish that it would be nice. Uh, I quite typically join the TV crew and do a lot of your games. I would love to be at the arena right now and bump into you there, but unfortunately, because of this whole COVID thing, that's not happening. Uh, and Dale, you know, recently this week, Ontario Minister of Sport Lisa McLeod basically said the OHL is going to have to eliminate body contact of every form. If they're going to come back and play this year, I mean, what is the chatter amongst the teams, the general managers, owners, even? I mean, what is the conversation like right now?
1: Yeah, I I I can't speak on behalf of the owners. I know the general. I mean, I think all of us that are that are have anything to do with major junior hockey, we would love to get back to play, and and I don't know, you know what. You know what are the parameters going to be? I don't think anybody knows, and and I think the league is trying to go through it uh, with the government right now to sort of set a course for us to, to be able to play, um, you know. Really, and at this point, I have I have no clue um, what it's going to look like, um, whether whether it'll be contact or not. Who knows, right? At this point, I think it's. Uh, I'm hoping that the owners or the, uh, or the Dave Branch and Ted Baker and, and the likes of are, are sitting down with the government. But uh, all, all I do is I get direction from them and I pass it on to our players and coaches to move forward. Have you
2: had any meetings with the league lately, Dale, or is, is any scheduled?
1: Yeah, we're we we've we've have scheduled meetings. Um it's it's lately it's been about every 2 weeks, right? Um we'll have one coming up next week. So I'm hoping that, you know, when, when we get together, we will hear uh hopefully hear a little bit more information and some progress to to move forward, you know, with the OHL. Uh, but I, but I, I say that and I and I think to myself, you know, you look at the Quebec League and I, and I'm sure you're going to ask questions about that. And I, and, I, and I just think to myself, boy oh boy, that's you know how do you move forward? Do you know what I mean? Um, I think that I think everybody in, in the OHL you know took a deep breath when they read that yesterday or the day before. Uh,
2: Steve, just before you jump in, I just want to ask one last question. Um, do you think, and I know this is a hypothetical, Dale, but would non-contact hockey, be better than nothing for the development of these players
1: well <laughs> for the development i mean it, it, hockey's not ping pong right <laughs> so so i i just i mean listen i there <laughs> there's a <ping> pong player <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, so you, you know i don't know uh, is is it is will it be great to see the kids back on the ice yeah um you know, it's it's just what cost is it to get back on the ice, and, and and I I that's not for me to say. I'm not an owner. You know, I'm not the president of the league. Um, I'm certainly one that will conform to whatever requests I get and pass it along to the team, and and we will uh, as an Owen Sound attack organization be the best we can be at whatever the rules are and whatever parameters they are. Uh-
3: Dale, how have the uh, players done through this process? Have you been in contact with a lot of them? And what are they doing to keep their, I guess, their mind focused on the game?
1: Yeah, it's it's I can tell you it's frustrating for the kids because you got to you do have to remember they're not they're not adults. They're 16 to 20 year olds and and they want to play. So you know and it's hard it's hard when you ask kids at the end of last season to gear up to be ready for September 1st and then that comes and goes and and in the training cycle which is something that we talked about you know in July is that if we weren't going to play in September you got to gear your training cycle to go beyond September 1st, because everybody would ramp up till September, and then basically the hockey team would look after the rest of the training cycle, and they would gear up for that. So that would be the pinnacle point, and then you can move on from there. But now that pinnacle has changed to, you know, mid-November. And if that gets changed, then they have to gear it all again. So it's frustrating. It's difficult, you know, but – like what can you do like every everybody's in it and it's not like it's not like a quarter of the kids are are in it and 3 quarters are not doing anything and they'll have to play catch up they're all in the same situation we're all in Ontario for the most part and some kids have lots of ice and some kids don't but you know you can run and you can ride and you can find other ways to to stay in shape and and and, and get your mind wrapped around you know, the, the extra time. I mean, you know, our, our kids from Owen Sound, they're they're taking the kids that are in high school they are taking all their courses online so that if, in fact, they give us the OK, um, they can come to Owen Sound and, and still maintain school um, as it as it would play out as if they were even in Owen Sound. So um, in that regard, we won't skip a beat. Um, the big thing is, is, you know, give us some direction to move forward.
2: Dale, I know you're not the owner, but from a business perspective, can the league survive without any fans? Will or is that business
1: just not right? Uh, I'm not an owner, and I'm and I'm not the I'm not the dollar counter. Um, mm-hmm. But it's but I mean, I look at I look at Owen Sound and the and the Harry Lumley is awfully nice to play in when it's mm-hmm. full. And it's an unbelievable atmosphere and it's like a it's like the seventh player, quite honestly. So to play with no fans, you know, as as a coach, as a manager, as a player, it would be a lot less, do you know what I mean? Doing so. And I and I think, you know, I'm sure the owners would wanna have uh, a certain amount of fans, let's call it 50%, to move mm-hmm. forward. And I think even the atmosphere for the kids, I think, would be okay. But we're, one of, we're a fortunate uh, organization where we get close to 100% capacity, which makes it a real nice place to play. Mm-hmm.
0: We're chatting with Owen Sound Attack General Manager Dale DeGray here on MWO Sports. Dale, I, I wonder what the offseason's been like. And the season so far, uh, just in terms of scouting, and I mean, you talked to you know you referenced earlier what happened out in the queue. Uh, If you're not familiar with that, the Blandville Bois Briand Armada had 18 players and staff test positive for COVID-19, which has thrown a real wrench in whether junior hockey will be played at any level here in Ontario. But from scouting perspectives, I mean, the NHL draft this week—that was kind of the talk—is a lot of these guys, if they're not over in Europe did you know the scouts didn't get a lot of opportunity to see some guys late into the season and the chl playoffs which did not you know go forward from your perspective as a general manager where the roster turnover is very heavy in junior hockey how challenging has that been for you and your scouts
1: well i mean we we, i was talking to a couple of them just yesterday and today so um it it's very difficult because really there's no hockey there's no minor midget hockey and you know, if if they are having some exhibition games or 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 skill sort of exhibition games, whatever they want to call, it, nobody's really allowed in the buildings to watch. So um, at this point, all we all we can do is kind of wait. You know, you hope that those kids are doing a lot of the same stuff that our junior kids are doing, so that when they do get the okay to play, that they can at least hit the ice running, sort to speak, and uh, and it'll be it'll be definitely worth watching. Um, but I'll guarantee you we'll have to cram a lot of views in in a short period of time um, to have any sort of a a resemblance of what might be a draft.
3: Speaking of the draft, Dale, um, looking back at this past week, uh, no attack players uh, made it through the draft. However, um, some great success stories, uh, including Nick Suzuki, um, that was a big year. Uh, When you, (laughs) uh, as Paul like, least fans may not be as happy about it, but uh, (laughs) when you uh, when you look at you know the the accomplishments of a player like Nick Suzuki, um, how good is it for the organization?
1: Well, you know it's something that I have I've said this a long long time ago. When uh, when you can go and turn the TV on, and you can hear a player's name and. You can hear Owen Sound, uh, Gray Bruce, those sort of things on national TV, I think is huge, N- not just not just for the Owen Sound attack, but for the whole area. And you know when we when we have kids play for the world Junior team, when we host the Canada Russia games, those are all things that I think, you know, in the back of my mind, Yes, there's the event. Yes, it's fantastic for the player, but I think for the area I think it's I think it's just as big myself.
3: And do you think by I guess looking at the past events and the past accomplishments, do you think those are some of the things you can use as an organization moving forward once junior hockey gets back up and running?
1: Well, it it's it's definitely is. I mean, you you know, you talk about, you know, selling you're selling the product. Do you know what I mean? That's basically what you're trying to do. Those are all things, you know, uh, Nick Suzuki, you know, two years ago, Jordan Bennington was the absolute talk of the, the hockey world. And uh, you know, how many times did they say Jordan Bennington? you know, ex Owen Sound Attack? And those are sort of the things that are priceless, you know, uh, you can't put a price on that. And and when kids see it, when I still talk to, to kids and we talk about, you know, if I'm talking to a goalie and I can bring up Jordan Bennington's name or you're talking to a forward and you say, well, you know, Nick Suzuki played for us for four years or three years. And they're like, wow, I didn't realize that. And then they look, then they go, they go, they go to your homepage and they start looking things up and then they realize just how successful the organization has been then you've sort of got them where you need to have them and and you can proceed forward.
2: Dale, it's always nice, too, when you draft local kids and one guy you drafted in the third round this past uh, offseason was um, Chet Hudson from Listowel. Tell us about Chet and what kind of player you're getting there.
1: Well, you know what? He came to us and uh, a real good, hard-working kid that, you know, just an honest blue-collar, shift in, shift out, leaves it on the ice. and And I think... If anybody knows me, I love those players. That's how I was. Um, so, I mean, going going forward, you know, th- those are the kids that that if even if they don't make it, they're going to mm-hmm. push other guys to be their best. Mm-hmm. And you can't have, you know, I, I learned this from Mark Reeds, you can't have all milk drinkers, you know, you need guys that, that play different ways and, and and approach things at a different angle. Um, and he's definitely one of those guys. Speaking of milk drinkers and guys
2: uh, getting <laughs> a lot of guys who may play the same way. I want to take you back to Thursday or Wednesday. When was the NHL draft? I can't remember the days here. Tuesday, Tuesday and Wednesday, night. Clarkie. Uh, and, the, and uh, you know, uh, if you're watching on Whiteman, you might see all the leaf jerseys behind me, knowing I'm a leaf fan and you're a former leaf player. Of course, Dale, the Leafs got a lot of criticism for taking another, small forward, I guess he's not too small, but a skilled forward instead of adding toughness. In my mind, these guys are so far away, you don't know what you're going to need in a couple years anyway, and they went for the best player available. Do you agree with that
1: philosophy? Well, here's what I'll say. I think OHL and the NHL are two different animals. Um, we, we, We can draft a player and insert him Within two, within two, or within a year so. of where he's probably going to be, mm-hmm. the NHL has the ability to draft the player, let him go. You know, he could go from to last or this past Wednesday next year, play a couple of years in the USHL. I'm just going to go the long route, yep. and then four years of school. And so, in six years from now, what is he going to be? You know, mm-hmm. I I know that we've had guys that have. That we've drafted at five foot nine, five foot 10, um, a local boy, uh, Curtis McDermott. And in three years, he was six foot five. So, I mean, it's, it's almost like a, a totally different human being. So, if, if that's the case, you know, I can see, I mean, I, I work for the Florida Panthers and I can see how the projection is you want to work. Um, so, I, I don't know. There's, it's two different animals. Um, you know, do you take the best player? If if I was running a uh, an NHL team, I would take the best player.
0: Yeah, I, and, I agree. And, and Clark, like you said, I think it's silly for Leaf fans to be criticizing this oh, particular do draft. That's, You're not what they be, do.
2: that's what they yeah, do, right?
0: Well, I know. I mean, if the Leafs want to get bigger and tougher, they got to do it now with immediate yeah. NHL assets through trades or that's free trade agency. Report. So, right. I, I, exactly. 100%. I mean, unless a guy like Tom Wilson is sitting there in this year's draft, it just doesn't make sense. Why would you do that? Yeah, it's silly. Um, Dale, I want to ask you a little bit about a couple of your players. Uh, one, first of yeah. all, Aiden Dudas. I mean, I think... LA Kings fans got to be really excited I mean they get Quinton Byfield the highest ever drafted black player in NHL history and then they've got this kid who has been a stud for your team Aiden Dudas I think that Kings fans have a reason to be very excited about their center ice
1: yeah you know what I, I don't know all their all their picks I also know uh, Akil Thomas from Niagara is there um yeah they've done a very good job in the last few years so moving forward like I said, I don't I don't have their depth chart in front of me. Uh, I don't know much about the rest of the kids, but but from the three that we're just mentioning right now, the future looks pretty good for the L.A. Kings, and it and it won't be it won't be a long time before they get back to where they've they've been in the past. So, um, and I mean Aiden's one of those guys, skill, huge character guy. Um, and an engine that just never, never, never quits. So it doesn't matter if he's going up against a guy that's 5'5 five, five or 6'5, his engine is always on and always revving high.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. God, he takes punishment in front of the net. I've seen him take some unbelievably vicious cross-checks. Like, he just doesn't care who it is. He goes to battle with them. I also want to ask you, final one for me, uh, you mentioned Jordan Bennington. You know, Michael McNiven was a big star for you as well. You've had a lot of good goalies come through Owen Sound in recent times. Matt Guzda is a guy that I just fell in love with him right away. He's such a quirky character. I mean, he's a goalie after all. Uh, Knoxville, Tennessee native. He's just such a good kid, but he also has a ton of ability. And I think that he's still a little raw. Like, I, I think that he could be another guy that reaches the NHL someday. He's big. He's fun to watch. Tell us a little bit about what Mac has meant to the team the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, you, you know, he's really, he's really come into his own. And and, and we've, we've expected this, um, <clears throat> excuse me, but um, his first year, he got thrown into it as a 16-year-old um i think honestly i think michael mcniven should have been sent back to play his last year his overage year of junior um that was our plan that would have give given mac guzda a real good mentor to watch and see how it's done um because nivy was nivy was phenomenal he was an unbelievable junior and uh and and Mac sort of missed out on that, but he's been picking it up a little each year. I think I think this year coming up, you know, him and Nick Chenard, I think they would be one of the top, you know, one two tandems in our league. I would I I would I'd go out and record and say that. Uh, but I think as we move forward, I think I think Matt Guzda this year could be last year's Nick Dawes. And 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 I really do see him as being that sort of a guy that's been a little bit overlooked, um, but has always has always put up good numbers. Like if you look back, I mean, as a 16, 17, 18 year old, put up good numbers. He's six foot five. He's got phenomenally fast feet and and he's improving every month. And that's all you can ask of a junior player to see that improvement. Um, You can stick with those guys.
2: Dale, before I ask this question, I have to apologize to Ryan and Steve because I promised I wouldn't ask this question again. But I got a former Leaf on the line here, so I'm going to – No, (laughs) no. It's not about ping pong. pong. No, just – I'm assuming, Dale, that you do keep tuned to the NHL and the Leafs and uh, so, <clears throat> so be it. What what does this team have to do to get over the hump? We've, uh, I mean, I say we, I can't say that anymore, I don't work for them anymore, but they seem to a couple years ago re- be right on the verge and maybe taking a step back, in my mind, right from goaltending out, what would you
1: do? Well, you know what, they can obviously score goals. I mean, I think everybody knows that. And, and I think you know, some people will argue. I think their goaltending is pretty good. Their number one goalie is pretty good. Um, I think I think if they get a, a a backup that can can play, you know, probably to you know alleviate a few of the games that the number one goalie always has to play. Um, but I do think I think their defense can get a little bit bigger. Um, a little bit harder to play in their own end, which will actually, if they were harder to play against in their own end, I think I think it would help the goaltender out.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the Leafs do. Uh, they're, I think, going to be very active uh, during the free agency period. We'll see what happens. Maybe Wayne Simmons comes home. Who knows? It'll be interesting. Uh, Dale, DeGray, GM, the great GM.
1: He's an yep. excellent sound attacker since you brought his name up. He certainly <laughs> is. Know.
0: And he's a guy that has really grinded out a great NHL career. I, I would love to see him in Toronto. I think it's time well, for change, that's all. Well, 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 I mean, he's got a year left on his deal. That might that just might happen. We know Matt Murray's off the board, though, former ohl uh, GM of the Unsound Sound Attack, Dale DeGray, we appreciate you joining us here on MWO Sports. We will take a quick break here and come back and chat some NFL football. Boy, is that league ever in trouble with COVID-19? Keep listening and watching here on MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. I am Ryan Drury. He is Clarky and Steve Sabern as well. Pleased to be joined by another great special guest. George Offman is joining us, independent sports journalist out of Chicago. George, how are you? I'm good fellows. You? Well, we're surviving. We're we're doing okay. We're definitely uh, enjoying football for as long as it might still be on, and of course baseball as well. Uh, let's start there. Let's start with baseball. Obviously, the Cubs had a, had a pretty okay season. The White Sox looked really, really powerful throughout much of the year, and of course, uh, both of them losing in the wild card round, but. A bright future, particularly for the White Sox. They look like they've got a real nice stable there led by a guy like Lucas Giolito.
4: Well, that was a plan by uh, the current general manager, Rick Hahn, who finally convinced Jerry Reinsdorf to do something that he didn't want to do. And that was tear the thing apart. They really needed to do that because what Kenny Williams is, the general manager, is he kept throwing stuff against the wall and seeing if it would stick. Well, when you've only made the playoffs twice in 17 years, 2005 when they won the World Series, and in 2008, they haven't made the playoffs since, and they're sitting there with, you know, Chris Sale and uh, Jose Quintana. They're not winning. They knew it, and so they had to tear it apart. And it took time, but they've got a lot of young talent. And the most important factor about all that is they're under contract. You know, Luis Robert and uh, Jimenez are under contract for six years. Tim Anderson's under contract for six years. Not many teams can get away doing that. Uh, they've got young pitching, but they don't have pitching depth, and that showed. But the they're, they're, you know, arrow's pointing very high up, and the unfortunate part about all of that is the White Sox would draw flies. And then, of course, they have a really good team, and they can't let anybody in the ballpark. So I'm sure that they're hoping they finally get through this pandemic and put people in the seats because they will come to see this product.
0: I certainly agree, and I mean, you know, for the White Sox, obviously they've got a bright future. You mentioned a couple of the guys there. Tim Anderson, probably one of the best base runners and most consistent hitters in the league. He's very exciting. What about the Cubs? What do they do? I mean, Odorizzi's a free agent. They have a a stable core from, you know, the top of the batting order. What do you see them doing in terms of adjusting in the offseason?
4: Well, they're going to be making some changes because the product just has not... Uh, progressed past the World Series. They, you know, they made the playoffs. They were uh, into the uh, National League Championship Series, but then they, they, when they made the playoffs, they just didn't score any runs. They Didn't win any games. That has been the story for the Cubs: a core that just doesn't hit, and it, remarkably this year. And granted, this has been a strange year. Their best players barely hit 200. If they hit 200 at all, we're talking about Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant. Javier Baez had a terrible season. Wilson Contreras came out a little later in the end. The guys who had the best seasons were Ian Happen, of all people, uh, Jason Hayward. But they've got issues, and their biggest issue is money. They are hemorrhaging money. They probably lost more money than any major league baseball team this year. And I would say, hazard to yeah. guess, it's about $150 million. And we're not talking in terms of even their real estate and that's a lot of money in that area nobody can come nobody can come to the bars the restaurants or the hotels so they're going to do some retooling in the off season john lester is going to be gone um somebody's not going to be there whether it's chris bryant possibly anthony rizzo probably schwarber the problem here for the Cubs is they're not going to have that much money to spend because they're going to reduce that payroll from about 210 million to about 150 million. Their arrow is pointing down, not even sideways.
2: And they're going to reduce payroll not only on the field but off the field. We're hearing a lot of uh, baseball teams now cutting uh, staff, and and it hasn't. Uh, it happened here in Toronto uh, in this area with the Blue Jays, and it's happening in Chicago too, isn't it, George?
4: It is. I mean, you know, that scouts are being let go. The White Sox have let go a lot of scouts. Uh, the Cubs are doing the same. PR staffs are being trimmed. You know, that's just the nature of what the pandemic is doing to sports franchises, you know, all over this country and obviously in in Canada as well. So it's not surprising. Uh, it's going to be very revealing in the offseason. And just remember... This pandemic hasn't left yet, so nobody knows what the baseball season is going to be like next year, let alone when the NBA or the NHL restart. But I really hazard to guess that when Major League Baseball resumes late March of next year, I'm not just sure there are going to be fans in the stands then either.
2: George, but- we'll get we'll get to COVID in a minute, Steve, sorry. But I just want to ask you one question about uh, the Blackhawks, um, their oh, yeah, future, and, future. And what was that? Sorry.
4: Had to go there, didn't you?
2: I did, but you know what? Um, if I'm not mistaken, they probably did better than the Leafs in the in the early round of the playoffs. But uh, now we're hearing maybe Corey Crawford is going to be not around.
4: He's gone. Uh, the, yeah. the Blackhawks made that decision this morning. Uh, they're not going to re-sign him. My guess is they lowballed him. My guess is he knows he can get a little more in the marketplace for a team that might be on the cusp of a Stanley Cup. Uh, he can still play goal so long as he stays in one piece. This is a franchise, unfortunately, where the arrow is pointed sideways. Sideways is not good because they wouldn't have of the playoffs last year. This, this mm-hmm. season happened for the expansion of the 2014s. And it was actually no surprise that they won the first-round series against Edmonton. They've got an aging core, albeit Patrick Kane is still at the top of his game. And Jonathan Tate has been playing well. And even at 37, Duncan Keith can still skate rings around people. But that's about it, boys and girls. Brent Seabrook's going to try to make a comeback. The biggest problem with the Blackhawks has been a tremendous mismanagement with their salary cap. That's the biggest issue for Stan Bowman. That, and when you trade away guys like Artemi Iva Pernarin and Yoki Haru, and what you get in return is not really what you would value, even though Brandon Sada's been a pretty good player for them, that's a big issue. So I don't see, I said three years ago, I didn't think they'd win another Stanley Cup with their core. Well, we're three years here later. They're not gonna win with this core. They're trying to also retool on the fly, but you know, the Blackhawks went from a non-entity to the biggest story in town to a non-entity mm-hmm. again. And that's not mm-hmm. good.
2: No, but at least you have some cups. I would take it. Yeah, This, yeah.
4: this, this is true. I understand. It's been what is it, fifty-three years now for the least? Yeah. I I understand that. And yes, that it, they were it was fabulous. Um, It was great. Uh, I was in Philadelphia when they won that first cup. Uh, It was an extraordinary experience. I was at the United Center when they won their first cup in Chicago since 1938. That was great. But you could kind of see things were starting to unravel when Mm -hmm. they had the best record in the league and got swept out by Nashville. And I mean swept out That scored three goals in four games. And from there, what was that, 2017? the bottom started falling out and that's where the mismanagement really took place. And they've made a lot of changes as well. You know, they fired Joel Quenville, they fired John McDonough, the president uh, of the hockey club. Uh, so they're, they're in transition as well, but I just don't like the face of this, uh, this hockey team right now. They've got a few good young players. That's good, but you need a lot more than a few good young players and
3: I think the Leafs know that as well. Mm-hmm. So Hockey's done, of course. Basketball uh, is just about finished. Of course, baseball, both Chicago teams up. That kind of leaves the NFL as the uh, focus, uh, focal point for the sports world in the uh, US Midwest. The issues with the NFL and the pandemic, how are they going to fare? Well, it's so funny that you ask
4: that, because back in late March, I predicted there would be no team sports played this year. And I was surprised that it happened Mm -hmm. and that it happened successfully in the NHL. I mean, you got to give them a tremendous amount of credit. They really pulled off the bubble, which, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but Chicago was the front runner to to be one of those teams to host. It was Chicago and Vegas. And I told I was told Mm -hmm. that Vegas was a lock and Chicago was right there. And then suddenly you had the pandemic and you had a rise in cases in both areas. And that took care of that. But they played. Now, what you're happening, you know, college football, that's a mess. And the NFL is now starting to rear its ugly head. And that's because you can't make every one of these athletes behave. If you're not in a bubble, somebody is going to make that mistake. And if one person makes the mistake, they all suffer. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not the NFL does something that is rumored, whether or not they take one full week off to see if they can recharge and get some of these people back that are healthy. That may happen. But it remains to be seen, to be honest with you. Um, I'm actually very surprised that baseball was able to pull it off. When you think about it, I mean, the Marlins, that looked like that team might not even be there. And, of course, not only were they there, they came to Wrigley Field and beat the Cubs uh the cardinals were another one and yet they made the playoffs and otherwise baseball did a pretty good job and i was very surprised about that because the teams had to travel mm-hmm. to different cities but they pulled it off nfl eh, i don't know too many players that could be an issue but we'll see i think this is one of those you wait and see every day
0: yeah it- it was weird. And I mean, when the Titan Steelers game got postponed and pushed and it turned it into a bye week for them, I was blown away that they essentially crammed the chiefs Patriots game into Monday night. And now of course, Stefan Gilmore has tested positive. He was chumming it up with Pat Mahomes on the field. Now, you know, uh, the NFL is sweating right now because their biggest star, I mean, God, what does that mean for him? I, I just thought that was really irresponsible. They should have pushed the game ahead a week. Um, we'll see what happens. Happens this weekend. Titans Bills might not go ahead. I don't know. It's a dicey situation, George. I want to ask you about the Bears. Um, they've got a weird situation there at quarterback, don't they? I mean, Mitch Trubisky. He looked pretty good in week two. Like he let it come back, and then all of a sudden he starts struggling again. They're like Nick Foles. Get in there. I mean, among the fan base and the people you talk to and interact with in that city. What is the general feeling around this Trubisky kid? Like, does anyone have any faith in him?
4: Well, it's been the problem with the Bears historically. They have really not had a, quote, franchise quarterback, unless you consider Jay Cutler. And Jay had a rocky uh, eight years here, albeit he was never equipped with receivers or an offensive line. He had seven offensive coordinators. And before that, Jim McMahon, and he was brittle, but he led him to a Super Bowl. And that was a long, long time ago. So this, this city has historically not had a good quarterback. Um, that class, uh, the Bears went up one in the draft choice. They went number two. They picked Mitch Trubisky. Some people liked him, but he had almost no experience in college. And it has shown. And uh, he is mediocre at best. And, you know, obviously, uh, Matt Nagy pulled the plug on him a couple of weeks ago. And Nick Foles, who everybody knows, is a career backup. He's had some incredible flashes, being the Super Bowl champion with Philadelphia Eagles. And he had a magnificent fourth quarter against Atlanta. Matter of fact, he probably hit five touchdown passes. Uh, You know, one of them was stolen and the other one was dropped. I mean, they still beat Atlanta. But the Bears, I, I can't see them now. They're stuck. Foles is their quarterback that's it you're not going to bring mitch back you're not going to pay him next year and so they're going to have a quarterback issue this situation if you don't have a really good quarterback and that's not just a a, an outstanding quarterback but a really competent good quarterback you're just not going to win in this league unless you're the detroit lions who've had a really good quarterback but they stink bottom line i think the bears are going to be in trouble for a long 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 time They've got an aging defense. It's a good defense, but it hasn't been all that good this year. So it's aging. Unfortunately, you don't have an offense. Uh, and they lost to Rick Cohen. So it's a lot of people wanted to see Trubisky gone. They wanted to see Nick Foles in there. But they also knew that Nick Foles, yeah, he's a miracle worker. He, he, he made one miracle. And then he played a game you know, against the Colts, and he looked terrible in that game.
2: George, just before we let you go, I want to ask one question about TV ratings. Uh, I saw the NBA ratings are way down, which is yeah. surprising in a way. You got LA and Miami, you got two pretty big towns, but way down. What do you attribute it to? Just, just what's happening in the world, I guess.
4: I think there's a lot of factors. Um, you know, the the time of year that they're playing. I mean, the NBA mm-hmm. title is usually played in June, and here we are now in October. Um, You have the Black Lives Matter issue, which I think has played a significant role in the NBA. It's it's a tough watch right now. Plus, it's also being played in a bubble. Now that's interesting because uh, for some reason the Stanley Cup worked. It worked that way, and I don't know what the ratings were for that. Obviously, they couldn't be that great because you had two, you know, you had Dallas and Tampa, not exactly the most attractive teams in the league. Tampa's pretty good, but not that attractive of the market. But even with LeBron and, and Anthony Davis and, and, uh, and Jimmy Butler, it just isn't working. And I think that that's a, an enormous amount of circumstances. There are other sports that are taking place or have been taking place. I think there's a little bit of a lack of appetite for sport in general, uh, and the NBA has suffered the most for it. It'll be interesting how they go forward. It'll be interesting to see when they go forward, uh, I think they really want to start the season in January, but I just think that if they do that, they know they're not going to have fans in the stands. And who knows if even if they begin a season and it's a shortened season in March, the same with the NHL, they're just not going to be able to put people in the building until this thing is gone. And that's not good for sport.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of question marks for sure. George, Steve, go ahead.
3: Yeah. It's just interesting. What you mentioned about low ratings and the finals. Um, It kind of reminds me of the uh, World Series back when San Francisco played the Angels on the West Coast for the World Series years ago. One of the best World Series I've seen, but just didn't attract people for whatever reason. There was a disconnect. And uh, uh, again, I've seen a couple of the Heat and Lakers games and they've been great games. They've been exciting, um, but uh, people just aren't engaged. No,
4: they're not. But it's been it's been a very odd and awful year, and so it's hard to measure, you know, the engagement in anything that's taking place. I mean, heck, while that's going on, I'm watching the French Open. The French Open tennis tournament's taking place now, and what's happening in a couple of weeks from now, three weeks from now, the Masters in November. I'll bet you that gets great ratings. I'll bet you that'll be through the roof ratings, even if mm-hmm. Tiger Woods stinks. People will have that appetite to see it as long as the weather is good.
0: I completely agree. The Masters will crush. It will be massive TV for sure. George Hoffman, independent sports journalist out of Chicago. We threw you a lot of curveballs today, jumped all over the city. We really appreciate you sticking with us here and answering all of our questions. It's been such a weird year, and we hope things improve down
2: there for you, George. Thank you so much for doing this.
4: My pleasure. Clarky. I hope to see you again one day soon.
2: Yeah, it's been about 20, well, more than that. Long time.
0: <laughs> we know where to find them for sure. Uh, we'll take a quick break here on MWO Sports. We'll come back with our resident wagering expert, Chris Abbott from CoolBet, right here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports, everybody, to round out the show. Brought to you, as always, by CoolBet.co. Ryan Jury still here with Clarkie and Steve Saverin. And we are joined, as always, by our resident wagering expert, Chris Abbott from CoolBet. Chris, how's it going?
5: I'm good, boys. Coming to you live today from Sarnia, Ontario. Beautiful, beautiful Sarnia. I can almost touch the United States, but I'm not allowed in.
2: Yeah, they won't let you in. You don't want to touch them right now.
5: Yeah, I I don't want to go there. It's just uh, I just want to go somewhere, anywhere. (laughs) Yes, the home, the home I
0: believe of the uh, of the Mike Weir uh, home golf course.
5: I am golfing that today. Um, Yeah, here on Oaks. So um, if you hear the echoing of golf balls off huge oak trees, that is uh, that's me.
0: (laughs) Excellent. We love it. Well, let's talk about uh, some betting lines for the weekend NFL. they look to be in a little bit of trouble. I mean, still not quite sure if the Titans are going to play, maybe even the Patriots. But let's talk about three games that aren't necessarily yet in danger of not being played. Let's start with Carolina-Atlanta, two teams that are really struggling. Carolina has looked okay at times. Atlanta has been just, wow, do they know how to blow a lead. Who do you like in this one?
5: Uh, it's really hard to like the Atlanta Falcons right now, isn't it? I mean, they... They were. They blew those two big leads. They didn't do much uh, to show resistance against Green Bay in the Monday Nighter short week. They're coming in an afternoon game at home, uh, and they're still a favorite minus one and a half. So, I um I got burned on taking Carolina early in the year. This is probably a game that I won't play at all, to be completely honest with you. Um, however, uh, Mike Davis, never heard of him. Uh, it has been great. Backing up uh, the injured Christian McCaffrey, and uh, I think his name is Mike Davis, It's something Mike or something Davis, and then you got Teddy Bridgewater, uh, who's who's looked just fine for Carolina. So um, I think I would take the Panthers as a money line dog in this one. I you can't you can't trust Atlanta right now. I don't think they should be a favorite against anybody. Uh, the one thing that they did have going for them was their offense, and and that was desperate. Julio uh, Jones is injured. Calvin Ridley, I, I might have had one catch uh, the other night, so yeah, it didn't look good. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going with Carolina. on
0: Yeah, it's tough because I mean, even Carolina without McCaffrey, I I still like them over the Falcons. I like just about anybody over the Falcons, unless it's the Jets. Uh, Let's talk about KC Vegas. I mean, the Vegas Raiders, I mean, they've got some weapons. They, They have ways that they can hurt you. Josh Jacobs is still doing his thing. Derek Carr on his day has some options out there. I like Darren Waller, but what do you think about them going up against KC? Could they cover the spread? Who do you like?
5: Well, this one opened at like uh, 14 points, 13 and a half points. So there is money coming in on Vegas. I'm looking at the spread right now at 12. Um, if people want to continue putting money on Vegas, I'll wait. Uh, wait till closer to kickoff and then jump in on Kansas City. Uh, listen, I, I want Vegas to be good. They've shown flashes, but they're not that good. Um, now they have something to note is the last couple of years they have played Kansas City very very tight in this divisional matchup. So um, twelve points is a lot. If you do think Vegas has a chance here, you might want to tease them up to plus eighteen. Uh, that would probably be the smart thing to do. But uh, I, I I like Kansas City to win this one. Their offense has been hit or miss. It wasn't great last time out. Baltimore so um, I think I'm I think I'm gonna take KC I might might even lay the points with them on this one
3: you know it's an interesting game too because of the development between Kansas City and New England and whether or not Patrick Mahomes will be available for that game depending on how the whole COVID-19 situation will that be a factor possibly if that happens yeah, certainly becoming a factor in, in everything, right? Uh,
5: it's something that's really hard to account for, even something little like the game against New England Sunday afternoon being moved to Monday. I thought I, I liked the New England underdog spread coming in against Kansas City if they had to play it Sunday afternoon, especially if Cam Newton had to play that game because they game planned the heck out of it and kept it close most of the way. So um, yeah, you got to think about those things, uh, and and again, you know, it, it's hard to predict. Like you don't know until until close to kickoff. So this might be a good week to wait uh, as long as possible before making your bet.
2: Chris, I always like to put you on the spot, so I'm going to do it again now. Um, I don't know if you know, but I'm quite the ping pong player, and I noticed on your uh, site, Sir. G- it's Coleman. Um, Sergeevich is, I think, a favorite. How do you handicap that match?
5: Me, personally?
2: Yeah. Oh, I don't. You're the expert.
5: No, I don't. I find a guy whose name looks close, closest to a hockey player and bet on him. And, and,
2: uh, and how does that usually work out for you?
5: I, I don't bet it. Like, there's there's options out there. Now, back when okay. uh, everything was shut down for COVID, you might have seen me sweating a live stream of a, of a table tennis game in the Ukraine that may or may not have been fixed. I don't know, but so I-, I certainly bet on it. I will tell you this, try betting on t- table tennis and watching it on the live stream. It's, it's exciting. It's a sweat because it happens so fast, but uh, no, I'm, I won't be betting on that. Uh, so how
2: do we get, like, S- Steve Saverin and my uh, squash game on, on your site? Do, would that happen? or?
5: I feel like the time it would take for us to input the information uh, would totally be a waste of resources.
2: Because <laughs> I think you guys should bet on it. Like, Not that there would be any fixing going on, but... You can't, you know, well, you can't
5: put it down until you see it live, man. I'll just take the yeah. action uh, personally. You guys can just e-transfer me, okay?
0: Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that as well. Sabarin to cover the spread. Well, you think,
2: eh, uh, Drew? You think? Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, really quick, just uh, on that KC note, like you said, Chris, uh, they're always good against the spread. As a matter of fact, they are 12-1 against the spread in their last 13 games. That is the best mark in NFL history in terms of wagering that is incredible 12 and 1 final I game i know, want to I didn't touch even on. know
5: that 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 is unreal i did know that uh, patrick mahomes for had been unreal at covering the spread i don't think it's something they work on but they're just so dynamic offensively and there's a lot of points in their games so uh that 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 will help when you're uh, usually coming out on the winning side
0: I read it on Twitter. It must be true. Uh, And they love scoring points, I'll tell you. Final one. Really, this is the most intriguing matchup of the weekend to me, Chris. The Cleveland Browns, who all of a sudden look like their offense is coming alive, against Indianapolis, a team playing great defense with a pretty solid offense themselves. This is a tough one. I I think I like the Browns. Uh, I think people like you are the reason
5: that our website stays in business. And let me tell you why. (laughs) (laughs) the Cleveland Browns have played some of the worst defenses in football in recent weeks. They scored 35 against the Bengals defense. That sucks. They scored 34 against the Washington defense. That is okay. Doesn't suck as bad as the Bengals. And then they put 49 up on the Cowboys defense. That is porous. Uh, They're going to get a rude awakening when they play Indianapolis this weekend. The Colts, minus two favorite. I'm on, on it all day. Uh, a good defense. Baker Mayfield can't beat it. So uh, this is one of my favorite bets of the week to go against you, sir. And we can do a, a private bet as well if you like. Um, I would not put money on the Browns, uh, especially now that they're feeling good about themselves, having won three of their last uh, games in a row. And
3: again, I enjoy that.
5: Chubb's out too, right? He's in. Yeah. The- yeah. But- Hunt's been been really really good uh I I I just will say the Colts have one of the best defenses in football and that Browns offense isn't that good Odell Beckham had a game that he hasn't had in four years last week that's not going to happen again um because he was on you know the big stage in Dallas now he's going to be a home game in Cleveland on on the late window Sunday I'm not uh I don't like this at all I think the Colts should be a four or five point favorite here
0: there you go. Well, that's why you're the expert and I am not, although I've been on a heater recently, so we'll see if I can keep that up. We might have to set something up. I, I might take that action. I I believe in Baker and Philip the Riverboat Rivers always makes me a little nervous. He, he has a, uh, you know, potency for throwing interceptions at bad times, even on better teams. So we'll see. He is our resident wagering expert, Chris Abbott from CoolBet. Get in on the action this weekend. That's why he is on the show every week to Give you the best advice possible. Uh, I still like the Browns. Uh, definitely take the points on KC and uh, Atlanta, Carolina, maybe stay away from that one. All right. Chris Abbott from CoolBet, we appreciate it as always, buddy. Thanks for doing this.
5: Absolutely. My pleasure. Philip Rivers, also potent in the bedroom with his nine children. <laughs> and uh yeah it's it's uh, it's Colts all the way for this one i don't like betting on rivers but i'd be happy to make a, a public wager with you and i will say if the browns do win uh then you can say i told you so I'll see that happening very
0: interesting Absolutely. That's a very interesting proposition. All right, let's do this. Uh, you can listen to this show Fridays at six on CKNX AM 920 and CKNX.ca. You can find it podcasted after that on all the best podcast apps. And of course you can watch the show Fridays at eight Sundays at nine with our friends from Whiteman TV. Follow us on social media at MWO underscore sports. I'm Ryan Drury. He is Chris Abbott from Cool Bet. That is Clarky. That is Steve Sabrin. We appreciate you listening to and watching. MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co